Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about grain bin preparation. Yes, harvest is right around the corner for many of us, and it's time to get those bins in shape. I remember growing up, we would wait till the last minute on corn bins because we had livestock that we were feeding, and Dad wanted to make sure we had enough corn to, to get through till the new corn came in. And so it was often some pretty hot, humid days when Brian, would be, Brian and I would be out there sweeping out the bottom of those bins. Uh, not, not a whole lot of fun, but it's really important to get those cleaned out so you don't have any problems with next year's grain or this new crop that's coming in. Uh, Brian, uh, get to travel around here just a little bit. Uh, what would you like to start out with today? Yeah, I've been all over the place. So last week I was all through Minnesota. Yesterday I was in North Dakota. Today I'm in Illinois. Um, I I will say it's kind of interesting. Guys are talking in Illinois here about drought, and I'm like, okay, well, your crop looks pretty darn good here to me. Uh, drought out our way, I mean, I have some spots on my farm that are going to be zero, zero. So it's not that bad here. But, yeah, I mean, it's there are a lot of areas of the United States that have been dry, and that's showing up in our crop prices now, some of these crop reports coming out. We've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, it's just it's been some challenging weather. That's the way it goes. But I, I guess probably the bigger thing that I wanted to talk about, well, first of all, let me just say on the grain bin preparation thing, incredibly important. We just always tell everybody, get those bins cleaned out really well and spray insecticide. We're actually using two kinds of insecticide anymore. We'll use malathion and the pyrethroid in there. We just want to make sure we don't have any bug issues, spoilage issues, that kind of stuff. So preparing the grain bin is super important. But anyway, a lot of guys here had questions about weed control. And when I have been driving around the country, my goodness, is there water hemp going to seed. So it's, it's terrible. Like in North Dakota yesterday, there was a lot of prevent plants. Well, a lot of those spots have incredible populations of water hemp. I mean, it's some of the healthiest, nicest looking water hemp I've ever seen, unfortunately. So that just means we're going to have a lot more issues moving forward. And really the biggest thing that I've been talking to people about here really for the last few weeks when it comes to weed control in soybeans, I mean, corn's not so bad, but in soybeans, it's you've got to start with great pre-emerge herbicides. And it's not enough to just do a couple modes of action anymore. You've got to have three. And I'll say too, a lot of people are using group 15s pre-emerge. I, group 15s are, in my opinion, a little hard on the soybeans when you use them pre. I love them early post, though. So instead of using that group 15 pre, just switch over and use a yellow. Metribuzin, either Authority or Valor, plus a yellow, and you have a lights-out program on water hemp, kochia, lamb's quarters, and a lot of other weeds, too. So... That's the direction that I would encourage people to go. And then very early post, come with a group 15. I don't care if you're using Warrant, Dual, Outlook, Zidua. It doesn't matter to me. Just use a group 15 along with another PPO, either Flexstar, Cadet, Ultra Blazer, something. Get, so you've got multiple modes of action out there. Personally, I like the Flexstar, but you could go Cadet too. I don't care uh, that much, but Flexstar has more residual. So I'm just saying, if you get all these pre's and early posts out there, that's how you get ahead of these weeds. Because the, the other thing that I brought up to a lot of people is I keep hearing farmers saying, oh, it's, it's impossible to kill all these weeds anymore, and we have super weeds, and everything's resistant. And I'm like, no, I can kill any weed 
pretty much in any crop anywhere, but I have to start pre. If I don't start pre, I've already gotten behind the eight ball. And then, yes, I agree, you're probably not going to be able to kill everything. And we have to control the weeds because if you let those weeds go, like a lot of these fields I'm looking at and I'm seeing weeds here and there, they've hurt yield. And I think that's a lot of times what we forget. We're just so worried about control. But ultimately, what we want, I don't care about weeds. I care about yield. And if we don't have the great weed control super early, we have to get our beans ahead and any crop ahead. Otherwise, we don't have top yield and we're not making the kind of money that we should. And, you know, there are people, too, that are like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Beans are worth 14 bucks. And I, if I lose a few bushels, it's not the end of the world. I'm still going to make money. Yep, I get that, but sooner or later, tough times are coming to farming again. I hate to say it, but it, they will. I will guarantee you, when you have the chance to hit the home run right now and make tons of money, you got to do it because eventually we're going to get hit hard on the farm by something. I don't know if it'll be weather, the market, something is going to hit us hard. So we got to have that capital to go on. Otherwise, we might not make it through those really tough times. That's for sure. We want to do the best we can with what we've got. One one other weed too, Brand, is this volunteer corn this year. It, it was just terrible. And we look at all these drought areas and you think about eardrop and shattering at the head and all those kinds of things trying to harvest uh, some of this really tough looking corn out there. There's going to be a lot of volunteer corn next year too. And guys are spraying yep. Enlist That's and right. they're spraying Extendamax and uh, it's tricky. They, they have to add more clethodim in there has been probably one of the better ones in volunteer corn in these mixes which normally we wouldn't say clethodim is the best uh, one but uh, it's worked pretty I good in these know. mixes I, at I, high rates yeah i'm not buying that i we i've seen just as many issues with clethodim so i i don't buy that at all i i would say you just have to double the rate of whatever volunteer corn herbicide you're using and you got to spray the volunteer corn when it's smaller because as, as soon as you throw dicamba or 2,4-D in that mix there is antagonism and lots of it and you mentioned the drought areas, and I agree with you. In these drought areas, we are going to probably, unfortunately, see more corn on the ground. But that's why I tell guys, hey, be ready way early. It's like when I think back to 2012, we started harvesting our corn a month earlier than normal, a month. So we just have to get, we have to change our mindset a little bit and not be just looking at the calendar. We got to go look at that crop and get it. So then we don't have all that stuff on the ground. But if it is hot and dry, and you're trying to spray a volunteer corn herbicide. Crop oil makes the volunteer corn herbicide penetrate through the leaf of that volunteer corn way better. So if you can, if the label allows, you want to throw volunteer corn or you want to throw crop oil with your volunteer corn herbicide and you'll get better results. All right. Well, I like one thing you said there too, Brian, just be ready way early. And that plays into today's talk about grain bin preparation. You really do need to be ready way early with that. We'll talk about some other tips coming up on today's program. Stay tuned. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 series diaphragm pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And you can tell we are fired up about getting to harvest season. Now, in some cases, for the guys going through the tough drought, just to get it over with and to, to clear that field off and get ready to start fresh for next year. But for the guys that did catch some rain, it, it's going to be interesting to see how some of the different trials do and, and different comparisons out there. So really excited to, to get those crops uh, coming in and, and get harvest underway. But first... We've got to get grain bin preparation done, and there is still time to make some changes if you need to upgrade some things on your farm, but you really need to get after it now because harvest will be here before you know it. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, are your grain bins all ready to go for this fall, or you still got some work to do? I've got a bunch of work to do. In fact, on my agenda was to uh, pull all the fans off and uh, take them into the uh, the motor guy and have them go through the bearings and stuff like that because they're getting old enough that uh, it seems like during work season I'll lose one or two and I just uh, I talk to them and we're just going to pull them off and have them go through them. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea because you don't want to run into something where well, like for us, we like to harvest stuff just a little bit wet. We use bin fan controls to dry it the rest of the way, and we get our harvest done and we really rely on those fans a lot. The, it they can add a lot of value. I, I'm gonna. I got a real quick story here. A, uh, a a client who bought some of our product last year. He he put a complete system on one bin. Had two bins. He just put fan controls, but no monitors to tell what's going on. And a fourth bin without. The uh, when he got done, the bin with the full system, he could tell what was going on. Uh, he hit his soybean moisture perfectly. The uh, the other two bins that just had fan controls on only, he was a little over a point short because he couldn't tell what was going on inside the bin. And the one with no controls, he was trying to just run it when the fans were on, flip the switches. Anyway, the uh, the three bins were 55,000 bushel bins. So these are a lot of beans. The other one was 33. 
on just figuring the three bins being one point moisture short, and that's he averaged a little over that, was $48,000 in water he didn't get to sell this year. Wow. The, the, the math on this just staggers you when you start to think about it. But uh, I'll tell you what, Tony, you, you tell your spouse that you gave up that amount of money and uh, they'll be thinking, huh, we could have gone on a really fantastic trip and had money to spare. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting your bins right, getting controls that you can, uh, like you do, harvest it wetter and dry it to your target of 13 without overdoing it. Or the reverse, if uh, the season gets ahead of you, be able to rehydrate those back to uh, 13. The money is just shockingly big, and it's the same thing. The other thing that people don't understand is on corn bins, and I like to use a 100,000 bushel corn bin, the bottom 20% is typically over-dried. The, uh, if you've got a fan control that will uh, shut that fan off so you don't over-dry the bottom 20%, uh, three points of moisture on that is 54,000 pounds of corn weight. Uh, almost a thousand bushels of corn at uh, six bucks a bushel, six thousand dollars in a for a control that costs you two thousand. Wow. So, the again math and uh, I was talking with a, a gentleman earlier. He actually is harvesting down in uh, Kansas, and we were talking about the water. I said I just love to sell water. It's my favorite activity. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, here's the other thing. When you're doing that, you aren't just selling water, Tony. You are selling grain that might not have entirely ended up in the combine by getting out there just a little bit earlier. Plus, I know this, at the end of harvest, we're always wishing we had a couple more days of good weather, and we just don't uh, to get all those other things done on the farm. So being able to get out there after it uh, a lot quicker is is sure a big deal. And honestly, you look at anybody putting up new bins right now, and I know there's a lot of guys who lost bins in storms recently, and they certainly know how valuable those bins are. When you're putting bins up, you want to make the most of it. You want to get the most out of that investment. This is a great way to to make that investment pay a lot sooner. Yes. Yep. And uh, hey, I'm all about like you say. I I really work to get out there my beans just like you do, uh, and you can tell the shatter loss. My outlook is as wet as your combine will thrash those beans. You ought to be out there. And uh, uh, corn, corn, it's a it's a dryer issue. You know, whatever you can uh, handle through your dryers. Uh, again, there's losses that you are are uh, going to save by getting out there as early as you can. Okay, got a couple of questions that had come in, Tony. Uh, it's funny, you get some of these. Hey, next time you have that Tony on the show, can you ask him this? One of the questions that I got was, if you got bin fan controls, does that necessarily mean that you're going to have to get in the bins less often, or are you still going to get in there just about as much? Now, I'm, I'm going to think that, you know, more like monitors, if you've got monitors monitoring the grain inside the bin, definitely you're not going to be in there as much because you can actually tell what the temperatures are if you're doing temperature only. Uh, if you're doing uh, humidity temperature, you're going to be able to tell how you are uh, either drying or adding moisture to the grain you've got stored, and uh, you can do it from the ground, stand at the side of the bin. You don't need to get into that bin near as much. I'm I still look at these as tools, and I'm still the, the brains behind it. I will uh, at least once a month climb the ladder, open the hatch, give it a smell test. 
But for the rest of the month, I've got good confidence of what's going on in that bin, and I don't uh, no, I don't climb into my bins near as much as I used to. So it is uh, it is a, a safety component. Uh, climbing ladders not a good thing. Climbing into bins is not a good thing. The uh, the less you can do it, the safer you're going to be. And uh, it again, if you can, uh, I tell my clients our monitors have uh, large faces on them. Face your driveway. You can drive by in your pickup and read them at 10 to 15 feet. That's the uh, how convenient can it be? And, and uh, once or twice a week or every other day or whatever you want to do, you just drive in the driveway by the grain bins, uh, do a loop, and head back over to what you're doing. So it's very convenient. All right, another question that had come in. You guys talk about moving moisture out of grain and you're harvesting a little earlier. Will I end up with a crust or a mold issue? How can I avoid that? What steps should I take? Uh, what grain you want to talk about? Well, let's let's talk about soybeans. We talk a lot about soybeans, and we're getting out there wetter than what we used to because we're we're confident we can move that moisture out. So, are you going to end up with a crust or a mold issue? And if so, that'd likely be at the top, wouldn't it? If a guy ever had trouble, uh, you know, soybeans can be uh, a multiple conversation. Uh, you'll see scenarios where you might put some uh, dry beans in, you hit into a wet patch, you'll layer some really wet beans into it and maybe have some other dryers on top. I remember a few years ago I had about three or four different layers in a bin of different moistures. The um, To not have something happen in a layer, or, you know, like you say, to the top where moisture moves up, uh, the uh, to not have something in a layer becomes my bigger concern. As long as you're moving air through, it's not going to happen. So if you are running fans periodically, and uh, back then I had a one strip through that was quite wet. It was well over 16%. And uh, I wanted to make sure my fans were running a little bit every day to just make sure I could always have the capability to move air through there. And I was moving some of the moisture. Next thing is you're watching your temperature. So nothing's happening. Uh, if you've got any deterioration, you're going to see some temperature changes. So uh, you watch those components. If they're not occurring, you're, you're pretty safe. Uh, you need to move air in the right moistures to move it the right direction. If I were running fans in a fog bank, I'm going to pump a lot of extra water in. If uh, And I, you don't want to do that anyway. Don't run fans above about 85 to 88% outside of humidity. The uh, In reverse, if I've got dry beans in there and I'm uh, running air that's 30 40% humidity, I am really going to strip the water out. Now, the other thing from the point of view of air and beans, beans don't move in a front. Beans will move, the whole bin is going to move relatively close together. And what's interesting is if you've got dry beans on the bottom and wet beans on the top, and you try to add some moisture to moisten up the bottom ones, you're going to moisten the top ones, yeah, it's, and they will move. It's pretty tricky, no doubt about that. Hey, Tony, we got to run right now, but thanks for all the input and look forward to talking to you again soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? 
Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in Inferro Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of Inferro innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or inferro.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio talking about grain bin preparation. And I know one of the big concerns that we always had on the farm was insects. We were really worried about bugs. We didn't want to put grain in there and then have it get eaten by something else. We wanted to have it be in great, great uh, quality whenever we pulled that grain out and, and, and just keep all the value that we could possibly have. Uh, real happy to have Edmund Bonjour on with us right now from Oklahoma State University. Edmund, how are you doing today? Yep, oh, you there, Edmund? I'll let you try and pull that up, Janelle. Maybe I I hit the wrong button, I think. Uh, Edmund is uh, an extension specialist with uh, stored grain entomology being his specialty. And, you know, when you think about bugs, a lot of times we talk about, well, we want to have that grain cool and dry. And yet at harvest time, we're bringing in some pretty warm grain. If it's still in the 70s or, or 80s, what do you do with that? And we were just talking about bin fan controls in terms of 
drying grain out, but cooling it down is going to be one of those things too. And, you know, I, I can only imagine that the challenge of getting grain cooler is a lot tougher as you head further south in, in the country to farming in South Dakota. We get pretty cool at night and that really helps us. But uh, Edmund, when we think about stored grain in, in a state like Oklahoma, it's pretty warm when a lot of guys are harvesting. Uh, I would imagine cooling grain down as fast as you can is probably a good thing for, for keeping bugs out. Yes, it is a good idea if you can do it. Yeah, and it is a challenge in Oklahoma. We can use um, aeration, at least when the grain is going in, to try to even out the temperature, but we can't really cool it at that time of the year. We have to wait till usually September, October, before we can draw in cool enough grain to make a significant difference. All right, let me take a step back then uh, before we start putting any grain in the bins. I know when Brian and I were growing up, uh, my dad had, had Brian and I cleaning out a lot of these grain bins. We weren't quite sure why until we got in there and it was 90 degrees and humid. Uh, then, then we knew my dad didn't want to do it, but it was still very important to keep bugs out of those bins. Uh, from year to year, if we do a pretty good job keeping the bugs out, are we 90% of the way there towards keeping our grain insect free? Yes, sanitation is really the key um, to, to keeping insects out. You want to make sure to get in there at, at the when you're through with um, emptying out your bin. You got to get in there and sweep it, vacuum it, clean it out really well because any small amount of grain will allow insects to reproduce and, and live until it gets new grain on top of it. So you really got to do a good job with sanitation. Now, when it comes to spraying inside bins, and, and we've heard a lot of different recommendations out there, uh, is that a common practice, or should it be a common practice to, to spray for bugs before you put any grain in there? Yes, it, it's fairly common, and it is important because um, it only takes a few kernels to let an insect population maintain itself. And even though you do as good a job as you can, there's certain areas like in auger systems or drag conveyors or if you have an aeration system and you have a false floor where it's really difficult to get under to clean. And so a lot of times you do um, either have to use a, an empty bin spray or sometimes if you do have a false floor and you can't remove it, then you have to use a fumigant to kill those insects that are in, in those residual areas. You know, when you think about insects, how do they get in the grain to start with, Edmund? That's that's one of the things that I was thinking about. Man, we do such a good job on sanitation, or at least we think we do, and we're spraying these bins out, uh, but yet we still end up with bugs. Is it just simple that there's food, insects are going to eventually find it? Yes, it is. Um, they're attracted to stored grain, and most of these insects do not come in with new grain unless you don't do a good job cleaning your your grain buggies or trucks or your auger systems. Um, so you got to do as good a sanitation there as you do in your grain bin. But just the insects are um, flying from one facility to another and you, you put new grain in a structure. And if you have any openings like um, for venting systems or spaces at the top of eaves or fans that are open, the insects will find their way in and start infesting a storage structure. How about for the situation where you're planning on longer-term storage? And I'll give you an example. Say that you're harvesting wheat and you realize, oh, man, it's low protein. 
I'm going to need to save this until next year when hopefully I raise some high-protein wheat to blend it off with. In that case, if you knew for sure you're going to have to sit on grain for at least a year and maybe a couple of years, would you recommend putting insecticide in as you fill? Would you recommend just cooling the grain even more than normal? What What are some things you could do to avoid problems? I, I would do a combination of both of those. Um, the sooner you can um, cool the grain, the better, because insects will not feed or reproduce generally if it's 60 degrees or below. But if you know you're going to store it long term, a, a grain protectant is great to put on um, when you're putting new grain in a facility. Um, and depending upon the product, it'll give you anywhere from six months to two years of protection, depending upon what product you're using. And so you can protect your facility uh, and the grain in there by using grain protectants. Um, and then ultimately, if you are doing a sampling monitoring um, on a regular basis, so you know if there's any activity, then you always can result to um, fumigating your structure if you are having to, you know, keep your grain for a year, year and a half or two years. Now, you mentioned monitoring and sampling regularly, and I know this is where some of us on the farm fall down. <laughs> we we put the grain yep. <laughs> in the bin, we did all the work, and now it's like, oh, haven't been out there to check it recently. Um, let's say that we get better at that, and, and we mark it on the calendar, and we even set some reminders up on our phones or, or whatnot. And we're out there on a regular basis. What should we be looking for? Should, do we look for feeding on the kernel? Do we look for any kind of buildup? And where should we be looking? Where would you see the insects getting in there first? Generally, your insects will be infesting at the top of your structure because that's where they're generally getting in. And they will generally concentrate in the center of the bin, assuming that you have a center fill system because that's where all of your fines are going to settle out when you're loading the structure. Um, so you can use a, a variety of sampling methods. You can use a grain trier or a grain probe. You can use a deep bin cup sampler, and both of those will, will are essentially collect a core of grain that you can dump then in a sieve pan. Um, those have limited success because they're just an instantaneous sample that you're just getting a sample for that 10 seconds that you have that in there. A better method is, is to use a, a probe trap where you actually stick that in the grain just under the surface and it stays there and you tie it off and so that you don't lose it and so that you can find it when you go back in there, say, a week later. And it's, it's continually sampling over a week's time and then you can dump that sample into a, a sieve pan and see if you have any insect activity. And that will detect a lot lower populations quicker than either of those other two methods that I described. And so you can detect a population and then based on some threshold numbers, then you can determine, do I need to do something now or can I wait and let the infestation get higher before I have to take action? Yeah, monitoring and sampling, just like we talk about out in our crop fields, it's super important with grain bins as well. Uh, real happy to have that Edmund Bonjour on with us right now with Oklahoma State. Edmund, thank you so much. This has been great. We really appreciate all the advice and love to have you back again sometime. Great. Well, thank you very much, and I hope everybody has a good storage year. 
<laughs> you bet. You bet. Yeah, I love it when uh, when we talk to to folks that this is their specialty, and it's like I hope nobody has problems. But if we do, Edmund, I know you're going to get the calls. Yep, I'll be happy to address any issues that come forward. All right. Well, thanks, and have a have a safe harvest season too. All right. Thank you very much. We're talking about grain bin preparation on today's show. And as you can tell, doing the preparation work is so important to avoid problems later. And fortunately, doing that prep work is a lot cheaper than dealing with problems later, too. So we'll go over some more tips here as the show continues. But we'll also keep our phone lines open. If you have questions, give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. When it comes to your tillage equipment, stop compromising and start doing more in one pass. New from McFarlane Ag, the Insight 5200 with an independent blade configuration lets you get more done in less time. Ideal for rocky or sticky soil, the 5200 has two sets of independently mounted blades adjustable up to 12 degrees, a unique chopping reel, and five different finishing attachments, giving you the perfect seedbed. Learn more about the Insight 5200 by visiting McFarlaneAg.com today. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
come on in. The Egg PhD mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open right now at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can give us a call with any agronomic question you have, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, all right, Brian, I uh, got a number of questions that have come in here, and I'm going to throw a couple past you. First comes from our friend George over in Bulgaria. He's got some herbicide questions. He said, every spring, around the 1st of April, we start planting our corn and sunflowers, and we continue to have problems with our broadleaf weeds. Here's our current program. Just curious what you would do a little bit differently. We're using a full rate of a group 15, generally Outlook or Dual, as our pre about 20 days before planting in order to hopefully catch some rain on it. Later in the post-emerge, we're using Callisto, and almost every year we're using some Accent Q. On sunflowers, we're using Outlook and Prowl down as the pre, and of course we don't have post-emerge broadleaf control in sunflowers. Wait. so what what are we talking about here? Sunflowers or corn or so, which one? So on corn, he's right, using you know, either outlook. Questions? Okay, so he's wanting to improve his weed control on corn. corn weed control. Okay, on corn, and he's sunflowers. using either outlook or dual as a okay. pre twenty days ahead of planting to try okay. to catch rain. Yeah, that's too far. Okay. And then he's using be, well. Okay, let let me stop you right there. All right, when we talk about twenty days in front of planting, that's too far. So my point is either you got to spray later. Or you've got to plant earlier. So like in our farm, I like to plant when the frost is just coming out of the ground. There's no reason why you can't do that if you have good cold germination and a good seed treatment. So that's what I would do. And then basically what I'm saying is you're going to have three weeks more residual on that herbicide. So that's one of the reasons why he's having a problem. In terms of the post-emerge side, yeah, I mean, it all depends on what you want to do there. Um, I mean, which herbicide you're going to spray. But I don't have a real big issue with Callisto and Atrazine. Well, I mean, what's the what weeds are getting past that? Yeah, he said broadleaf weeds. And when you look at corn and you're just putting a group 15 down, that's pretty good on the small seeded broadleaves. But the large seeded broadleaves, you aren't going to get much help out of the group 15. So you're just relying on the nope. Callisto to pick that's that it. up later. Uh, the other concern that he had is he said after the corn in the fall i'm going to be putting in winter wheat so i don't want to end up with any carryover that that would significantly hurt my wheat uh he said one product that people around me are talking about is using valor as a fall treatment uh do you see valor as a fall treatment in my crop rotation working no um i mean you can if you want to but if we're going to corn then why would we put Valor out in the fall? I I don't get it. Valor um, is not a labeled herbicide for corn. So, um, and I don't know what we're trying to kill in the fall then either. So if let's just say, for example, so here's what we ran into on our farm, where we had winter annuals that were starting to get bad because we switched to strip till or no till, whatever. Well, then you just go spray Banville in the fall. And if you want to, you can use a group 15 in the fall. We do that on our farm every year. So either way, that's fine. But let's come back to what my real problem is here in the spring. So the other thing you could do is add something else to that pre-emerge. So my suggestion, if broadleaves are the problem, is sharpen. And I don't know if that's labeled in Bulgaria. But 
basically here in the U.S., you can buy either Sharpen Straight or you can buy Verdict, which is Outlook plus Sharpen. I don't care. I just would like that Sharpen out there. That's great. Um, yeah, that's Saflufenicil, large, correct? Uh, I believe so. Now, there are guys that will use Triple Flex and SureStart, so basically they get Stinger out there and Python, and you could do those too, but they're not super great on a lot of the large seated broadleaves. I mean, Sharpen's not the greatest either, but at least that would help. Otherwise, post-emerge, you could add something to your Callistoatrazine mix, whether it's a little bit of Dicamba or a little bit of Bermoxanil or Buctrol. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are other options. But I think one of the biggest things that could potentially be problematic is that pre is getting out there so early, we're starting to lose some of it before our corn has even out of, is even out of the ground. Yep. Uh, if you get additional oh, uh, comments wait, about that, George, I'd love to hear the full list of broadleaf weeds, too, that, that are the worst ones. Or I shouldn't say the full list, but at least yeah. the two or right. three that are really the biggest problems. The okay, worst. on the sunflowers, adding yeah. in authority would be the thing I'd look at if you're putting out, say, prowl as a pre well, and adding in some sulfentrazone. Well, that would be awesome. Yeah, in the U.S., Spartan is the labeled product, not authority, but they are both sulfentrazone. And yes, you want to use the full rate of that, and then you also need a yellow. Now, you could use a group 15 there if you wanted to, but we prefer the yellow. But yeah, you have to do that. Otherwise, sunflowers, it's too hard to raise. You can't control the weeds post-emerge. Yep, that's for sure. Well, that's that's what you're seeing. Uh, well, George, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And yeah, on that winter wheat, if you could put sharpen down at a couple ounces, that would really help the broadleaf control there. And of course, post-emergent wheat, you got a lot of choices there too to to control broadleaf yeah. weeds, and that'll help you in your rotation. Yeah, like I was saying though, I just don't know what's labeled over there. That would be my only concern. Okay, uh, appreciate that, George. Uh, get this one that came in from Alan, and he's down in Nebraska, and he said, "Guys, I'm I'm an agronomist. I'm working with a, a grower that picked up a new farm, and I'm sending you his soil test. Just curious, what would you do, and what would you recommend for this guy?" So, Brian, I'll give you a couple of things here, and I think you're going to figure out where I'm going pretty quickly. Soil pH seven point seven to seven point eight. Sodium okay, so base saturation percentage seven to ten. And that's what it is. Uh, and soluble salts yep. are over three, and sulfur yep. is more than a thousand parts per million. Uh, yep. We've we've got a drainage so, issue here. There's a drainage issue, and there also could be a water quality issue if there's irrigation. So those are the two things that I would be addressing first, definitely. Okay, so when you look at things like that, it, it's it's one thing to say, well, you got to address these first, but everyone's going to come back with, well, I'm trying to raise a crop here next year and I got to have a fertility recommendation too. Uh, Before you're trying to build up certain things out there, we got to get rid of some of these excesses that are going to limit the uptake. One of the things that our dad used to talk about often is he said, most businesses fail because of lack of capital. And so I'll just take this as an example because a lot of people say, well, I can't afford to tile right now or I can't afford to fix that right now. I I mean, if you don't fix that, then everything else you do will be in vain. It's not going to work the way it should because the drainage isn't fixed. 
Yep, that's exactly right. And then you get all this sodium out there that's going to make it tough for you. You're going to be less efficient getting water into the soil. Okay. You're going to be less efficient with the nutrient uptake too. All right, but a lot of people are going to hear that and and that sodium level, and they're going to go, "Oh, a sodic soil." And how am I going to correct that? Well, actually, it's not even technically high enough to be considered a sodic soil yet, but we're well on the way. But you mentioned the key thing. There's all this sulfur out there already. What sulfate will do with sodium is bind with it. It'll form sodium sulfate. That's a salt. That's leachable. And you can flush that away. So because of all that sulfur out there, you're going to be able to get rid of that sodium at a much faster pace than a person who has virtually no sulfur in that soil. So you fix the drainage problem first and you're most of the way there. Yeah, I think I think you're right on, Brian. Uh, well, Alan, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. If you got uh, follow-up questions or anything, you you can sure get back to us. We we would appreciate that. But yeah, you probably want to if it's irrigated ground, get a water quality sample done right away yep. to see uh, right. what what can possibly be done about that as well if that's contributing to the problem. Got a comment that came in from Elvis, uh, who really appreciated the information on sunflower production. It's an area doesn't get covered enough. Uh, so thanks, Elvis. Really appreciate the the comment and the support. Yeah, we like talking about some of these other crops. A lot of a lot of things going on in corn and soybeans and wheat and cotton. Some of these major acre crops, but sunflower production this year is going to be really really important with what's going on in Ukraine and Ukraine going offline for the most part with sunflower production. Uh, by the way, if you're curious about what's happening in Ukraine, you can go to WRRU.org. That's World to Rebuild Rural Ukraine. They've got a bi-weekly update meeting, and the next one's coming up on Friday. You can sign up for it for free there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat-tail fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. 
Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. If you've got an agronomic question for us, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. And uh, we were just talking through some soil samples from Nebraska where it sure looks like there's a drainage challenge out there, and I was just going to talk about this for just a second, too. We've just run into a lot of these samples over the years where we say, man, we've got a compaction issue or we've got a drainage issue. And I realize when you send the question and you're thinking, no, 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 I just want to talk about fertility out there. But some of these big factors in agriculture have to get dealt with first, and it's it's good money spent. I was just talking to uh, to somebody I've known for a long, long time today, and they had a field right next to their field that came up for sale. And so I kind of assumed, well, they're going to buy that field. But of course, the price was really, really high, and they decided not to do that. And I was just talking to them this morning, and uh, the feedback I got was, well, you know what? We looked at what the payments were going to be on that land with interest rates where they are and so forth, and we just decided, would we be way better off just to finally really fix a few of these drainage issues and utilize our money that way and fix some of these uh, big-time issues to, to just make the fields we have that much better? And that really is where we're at with a lot of farms out there. These guys happen to be in a drought area right now, so... They can get a lot of work done. Getting approvals is no problem. Uh, even when they put tile in the ground, there's not going to be any initial flush or anything like that coming out of the field. So um, that was that was what they were looking at investing their money into, and I think it was it was pretty smart. Uh, I, I would totally agree with that line of thinking. Uh, so like in this case with the soil sample that we were looking at, uh, Brian pointed out correctly so that, boy, they got a lot of sulfur out there. If we just get the drainage opened up so things could move down through the system, uh, we can we can perhaps correct a lot of those issues pretty easily and without that much expense other than putting in some tile, which is not cheap. Uh, and we think about that, you need moisture to move through the soil to make that happen. So if you're in an irrigated situation, 
you may be able to move things along a little bit quicker. This happened to be fairly heavy ground, so it's going to be a little bit slower. And for the dry land guys, uh, like the guys I was mentioning that passed on the land purchase and instead were going to invest in some improved drainage on their farm, it's just going to take a year that, that you get a little bit of moisture, but it will eventually come and you will eventually get things uh, to move down through that soil. All right, uh, got a number of soil tests that came in, and, and soil tests are sometimes uh, sometimes interesting over the radio. Hopefully you guys are, are uh, catching on to some of the things that we're talking about here. Uh, I got this one in from David, and he said, we need some guidelines here uh, on this pivot irrigated farm in Colorado. We've got limited water allocations, and water is less than the best for quality. So just wondering, what would you do in this particular situation? So they sent me soil analysis. I'd be really curious to see what that water analysis is as well, just to uh, to see when you say it's less than the best water. Um, kind of curious, but maybe we'll guess by what we're seeing here on the soil test. So same kind of thing as what we looked at in Nebraska just a minute ago. We've in fact we've got even more issues. So the cation exchange capacity here is reading 39. So this would be a pretty heavy soil. And we've got a pH 77 to 78 and we've got 14 to 15% base saturation sodium. Now, that's that's a real challenge and then you look at soluble salts are over 4, sulfur is over 2000 parts per million. So it's going to be pretty much ditto with uh, a field that we were just looking at in Nebraska, except you're a little bit further along. The water quality sampling is going to be a big, big deal to see what can be done. And the other thing is, could you do something different with that water? Can you get it from a little bit different depth? Um, I know talking to, to in some areas, it's possible to go a little bit deeper and maybe get a little better water quality. Uh, that might not be possible where you're at. And I, I guess I'm not sure where you're getting that water from. Uh, so that's something to look at. But if we improve drainage, and this is probably even less talked about where you're at in Colorado than, than where the previous farm was in Nebraska, but boy, we've got to improve the internal drainage. We were talking with one of our frequent guests out in California, who's a crop consultant on our show here, eh, probably in the last month. And I asked him that question because he had made a comment. Yeah, we've got some poor water quality here too, but we have no choice. We've got to use it. So we've got to figure out how to adapt to it. And I said, what do you do? And he said, well, we use quite a bit of sulfur to try to help move uh, anything bad down through the soil because sulfur will, will um, well, like Brian was talking about just a minute ago, connect on to sodium, forming sodium sulfate, and it'll flush right down through the system. So that would be something that you could do, use sodium, and then also just improve internal drainage on the farm uh, with drainage tile to get things to move out as well. Hey, thanks for the question, David. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's get back on the phone lines here. We've been talking about grain bin preparation. We only got about four minutes of the show left, but we're real happy to have Scott McKernan on with us right now with AGI. Scott, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Is this Darren? This is Darren. Yes. Yeah. Good talking to you. You know, we've been talking about uh, grain moisture management in the field, and I know uh, you you do a lot of things to help farmers manage that moisture once it gets into the bin. Uh, talk to us just a little bit about what your company does and, and some things that farmers could still look at to, to get their bin set up for this fall. Yeah, great question, and thanks, Darren. So, yeah, um, you know, it's that time of the year. Uh, people are getting ready for harvest, and, uh, you know, the things that are really important, obviously, uh, AGI, um, 
manufactures grain bins and material handling and dryers and uh, really everything that you need on farm if you're uh, in grain uh, in grain today. So we've got you know dryers and the storage and material handling, and then on top of that, we have digital ag and uh, our digital ag products. Uh, you know we've got grain monitoring in the bin and to AGI, um, we believe that uh, every bin should be a smart bin. So what does that mean? That means a grain bin that has got electronics in the bin so you don't have to get in the bin. You can look at what's going on with temperature, moisture from the outside, from a computer, from your phone, and uh, not have to get into that bin. Safety is a huge, uh, huge thing to, uh, to all of us. And the uh, last thing we want is somebody getting hurt by entering a bin to find out what condition their grain is in. So our equipment um, operates uh, off moisture and temperature, gives readings uh, 24-7, and we've got a customer service team that is always looking at that, watching for alerts. You get text notices from our system. So, uh, you know, it really does a great job of letting you know what's going on with uh, that great investment you've got inside of the grain bin. You know, when you mention uh, bin monitoring equipment, we get a lot of questions about this. Obviously, you got to inspect the electrical, make sure everything's in good working order so those things are going to work when you fill that bin up. Uh, the other thing, too, these bin cables, uh, we've had a lot of questions around that. How, how do you secure those down? Uh, what are some recommendations you have to make sure you don't run into problems once you fill that bin up? Yeah, so the bin cables are just really, it's a pretty light uh light line that is that is mounted down to uh, the bottom of the uh, the grain bin floor whether that's a concrete floor or whether that's a steel floor it's just anchored with uh, you know almost something as as simple as a fishing line it's a little bit heavier than that um, but it just holds the cable in place on the bottom uh, you know and obviously uh, you know if you've got a sweep in the bin you've got to be able to work around that as well so uh, typically it's just some annual maintenance to make sure that that stuff is, is anchored properly and ready for the year. And that's, you know, to your point uh, around getting ready for the year, whether it's cabling in the bin or whether it's uh, machinery, you've got to make sure it's all ready this time of the year. The bin is cleaned out. The equipment is ready to go. So when harvest hits, you're, uh, you're ready to roll. Your preventive maintenance uh, items are done. So, uh, but it's simple, pretty simple process, Darren. You know, the ventilation too is a big thing because I know we've talked to a number of farmers that say, man, uh, the air vents, make sure you're checking those air vents and make sure you have enough ventilation too if you're going to do this properly. Yeah, and you know what? So all the different components on a, on a grain bin are important to inspect the fans, um, the unloads, um, you know, the augers, the, the, uh, the vents, but uh you know, obviously, what's really important here is to make sure that, uh, you know, all the farmers that are out there around the, around the U.S. Uh, are safe when they're doing any of this stuff. So last thing we want to do is put somebody in harm's way. Typically, these gooseneck vents um, are pretty self-cleaning, and some today that we make at AGI are actually uh, self-cleaning. They've got screens in them and, uh, and easy to, uh, to maintain. Yeah, it's a big deal. Grain bin preparation ahead of time can can make things a lot safer and avoid one of the more dangerous things on the farm. Hey, hey Scott, we got to let you run, but I'd encourage any farmer uh, talk to your local AGI folks. They can do a free assessment of of what you need out on your farm for your grain bins too to get set up for a safe and uh, productive storage season. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.